Broadcasting from Ealing, London, I'm Paolo Valdemarin. I'm Matt Mower. And this is the Startup Lab Podcast. Episode 1. Season 1. <laughs> so, Paolo, tell me, why are we doing this podcast? I think that my intention is to tell the story of uh, what we have been doing, what we are doing, what we plan to do when we grow up. I think that uh, it's very interesting how at some point at the end of last year, we, the two of us with a number of colleagues, we sat in the room and we were all doing different things around technology and we realized that uh, what we really want to do is help new companies, but we wanted to do, to do it in a different way. And uh, the accelerator framework was interesting, was a good way to meet new companies but uh, the way accelerators work today, we didn't like it, so we wanted to do something different. And uh, and this is when we embarked on this adventure that we are calling Activate Capital. Activate Capital is six days over 12 weeks where the team take a startup through really getting the fundamentals of starting a business right in place. One of the things that we reflected from our experience of working with accelerators, working with startups, is that very often because they're trying to scale, so they're trying to do a lot of companies at the same time, uh, they just don't have the time and attention to really focus and go deep on the things that we think are really important. I think that what we are doing is, uh, some are calling these startup studios. It's a type of organization where you take a small number of companies and you really support them, you really accompany them through the bootstrapping, of the, uh, which includes designing the product, finding investments, supporting the CEOs into getting, uh, becoming a real company. So it might be worth uh, describing what uh, Activate Capital is and how we got here. So I think back in uh, March, April, we opened applications uh, where we invited really early stage companies. And we basically said, just even at the, the idea stage, uh, come along uh, and have a conversation with us. So we sent out uh, our application form and we got about 220 companies yep. uh, who applied. Um, we filtered those down to about 10 that we thought were the most promising. And we might describe the process, how we did that later. Uh, and then we invited those 10 to come really to have a conversation with us. So we, we tried to get away from the normal sort of we're investors grilling you to having a conversation about what you want your business to be and really to try and understand where the gaps were in your process and what the opportunities were. And because this is a deep program, we also wanted to make sure that there was a fit. Do, are we, were these people people that we really wanted to work very deeply with? Uh, so we invited those in. We had the conversations uh, and then we finally settled on one company, Tomo, uh, and its fund founders, Gus and Fahad. Yes, these are two very cool guys. They have a very interesting idea around building apps to support people suffering from depression. And uh, they have already been involved in one accelerator program. Pre-accelerator program, yeah. And uh, we thought that the type of combination of uh, business expertise uh, and technical expertise that we have and design 
could help them most? I mean, one of the key elements in picking the company is what kind of how much impact we could have on them and uh, we really really like them so we started working uh, with the tomo this week we just went through the first two days uh, of training and uh, what have we learned so the first two days uh, we've really been concentrating on helping them to understand their vision in some depth to really see where they want this company to go, to figure out what they're passionate about solving. Uh, And of course, the thing is, because they're working um, to solve what is a real problem, not only a financial problem, but quite a a deep problem in terms of um, the suffering of people with uh, chronic depression in the UK, and there are something like 6 million people at any given time. So the, the passion piece is quite easy in one sense, but to really also get them to understand what this business is meant to do for them And it's been our experience very often that uh, founders get so bound up in the journey of building the company that they just lose track of the idea of what is this company supposed to do for them and why are they on the journey that they're on. So we spend some time with them trying to really get them to see that very clearly because once you understand the journey, then you understand what it's going to take to get there. And I think it has been very helpful in the sense that... uh, they have they have been listening very carefully. They have been uh, rethinking probably some of their assumptions. Uh, they have been reconsidering, and uh, you know when you start putting everything on a whiteboard, suddenly you cannot. Uh, you you have to face challenges that in other in other in many other situations you're just skipping in your mind. You're not. You're deciding not to face specific. I think that's right because I think one of the things is that until you start writing things down while it's just sort of ideas in the mind or in conversation it's always very easy to fool yourself that you either know more than you do or to skate over things that you potentially disagree about Uh, and I think it's been very interesting watching them as we've asked them questions and one or other of them have kind of said well I think it's this Uh, and the other one's turned around and gone no I disagree and and it's quite clear that they've They've never really surfaced those disagreements before, and it's been fascinating to push them on some interesting points and and see, one, those disagreements come out, and two, how they wrangle those and and come to an answer. Um, I think it's really important that you have those kind of conversations, though, because without teasing those things out, getting them exposed, putting some sunlight on them, having the conversation, those issues lurk, and they lurk far deeper into the into the, you know, the actual development process where once you start building the software and you're effectively burning cash to do that, that's really when you want don't want to discover that you've got a fundamental disagreement about some key aspect of what the product is doing for its customers or, or how it's going to do it. Yeah. And I think that uh, the value proposition designer tool that we use to, to debrief them was very effective. It was uh, we have already been using it in uh, with other clients, uh, but in this case, it really, really worked. I mean, all the work that was done on the first day on building or figuring out the customer segmentation, and then uh, following up uh, how everything was coming out from there and everything was structured. It was a really, really high resolution approach to finding the small details and putting them on a whiteboard so that is that was very effective i think it was really interesting that they'd commented that they'd done the process several times before 
but that they'd not got anywhere near the level of detail or understanding. And I guess this is a factor of the fact that we've done this a number of times, that we've practised ourselves in terms of how to deliver that sort of that sort of approach, uh, that we really can get quite forensic about understanding what are all of the attributes. I mean, it, it's one thing to say, well, we have this customer segment, it's kind of 25 to 35 male graduates. It's another thing to really go very deep into what are the factors that might affect how they live their lives and how you would approach them. Um, and to actually come to an understanding of kind of what's the critical path through these factors to the niche that you want to tackle. And this is a problem that I see a lot is you, you have this idea that you need to scale. So your product needs to be everything to everybody. And we know that if you go into the process with that approach, your product is nothing to anybody. And that at the beginning, it's okay to be really very tightly niched. I mean, if there are only a thousand people that fit your category, that's fine because you probably can't serve a thousand people on day one. So actually really getting them very tightly um, focused on a group of people that they can really serve super well, um, that they can deliver something that these people, it's going to make a massive positive change in their lives is, is more important. You don't get that if you kind of superficially skate over the value proposition and say, okay, this is our customer, you, you kind of move on to what can we do for these people. Spending some time really sweating, what are their problems? And really trying to understand them in some, some depth and to figure out what the assumptions are. Because this is the kicker, is kind of the, the assumptions that you've made that you don't realise you've made will very often blind you to the real opportunities that are in front of you. Until somebody else basically sits you down and makes you tell them what you know and questions that and says, where have you made an assumption? You, you just, you're not going to see it. And I think that uh, the work that we did this week actually allowed us to capture all that type of information that once we start moving to product design next week with uh, impact mapping will make a difference because there, were, there is much more clarity in uh, uh, their thinking of the product, uh, even after only two days. Paolo, we might want to tell people what impact mapping actually is, because they may never have heard it before. Well, that is a perfect topic for next week. <laughs> okay, well, I'm really looking forward to hearing about that. Okay, see you next week.